that 25 years ago, the United Nations pledged to remove all obstacles to gender equality and the advancement and empowerment of women. Yet in 2022, the Global Gender Gap Report projected that at our current rate of progress, it will take, and wait for it, 132 years to reach gender parity globally. Gender equality affects people of all ages and backgrounds, women, men, trans and gender diverse people, children and families. So what can we do to reverse this alarming trend? Welcome to With Not For, a podcast from the Centre for Inclusive Design. My name is Manisha Amin, speaking to you from the lands of the Gadigal people here in Sydney, Australia. And my guest today is Sandra D'Souza, founder and CEO of Elect, helping businesses achieve diversity, equality and inclusion. Welcome, Sandra, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Manisha. Thank you for having me on your show today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And, you know, um, Sandra, I'm really interested to hear a bit about your journey because you've advocated for women's rights since you were a teenager. Is that right? Yes, no, that's right. I was uh, the oldest of three girls, um, and um, and I went to uh, a Catholic girls' school run by nuns, which were all very smart young women in there, um, oblivious to any um, you know gender issues. But it's not until um, in my family we immigrated from Hong Kong to Canberra, and in Canberra I went to a co-ed school. Um, that's when you start hearing about what girls can do and what girls can't do. More actually, most of the time is what girls can't do. Um, and, and I have a, this friend, um, who was, was very much, I think, um, she was, I think she's just basically been an activist. I think she was, you know, naturally, um, in that way. And, um, she pointed, we were hanging out one summer and she started pointing out, the stereotypes of women and men roles in media, um, in ads, like for example, you see a housewife with an apron. And then so you just, you know, stereotype her. That's the role. And she pointed out these things. And I guess ever since then, um, on a personal level or what I see in media, I've already, um, can see the, the, you know, I guess I, I want to call it discrepancies. Of what's what's um, what the media projects and and what men and women can do. And then, how did that relate? I mean, that's really interesting. How old were you at the time? I was fifteen at the time. Um, it was around year nine, year ten, um, when we in 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 Canberra, you finish high school and you go to college. And I think um, I don't know. It feels like you know because friendships are changing. Was hanging out more with friends, and and she was pointing out I was very impressionable um, at that age too. And she was the same age as me, but she was super smart. And did that change your career tra- trajectory, or was it something you just thought about? Um, well, I've always thought I will end up being a lawyer or an actress. Right. <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess I, I, I think naturally though, I'm always, um, um, being the oldest, I think I'm always sticking up for friends, which I, if I see any injustice or, um, something that, you know, I don't think that they can, um, you know, defend themselves. And, and yes, I was very feisty, um, at that age. I didn't get into law school, um, or get into a degree in, 
I didn't um, go into NIDA because I already saw the lack of diversity in actors and it's hard enough as it is. So I just I just knew uh, I'll just go into university and I went into um, business instead. And so then how did, you know, it's funny that you sh- you say that you wanted to be an actor or a lawyer um, and, you know, you're one of the most interesting and exciting entrepreneurs I know. And it seems to me that <laughs> that actually um, encompasses both of those things, right? Um, your sense of justice as well as your flair for business um, and, and doing the right thing. And so how does that relate? to and take us on that journey that led you to ElectBiz and starting up this new venture, which is not so new now, right? No, no, I know. Um, so I, I had, um, as you know me in the past, um, aside from my corporate career and all that, I've um, um, had an a international digital, digital marketing agency. And um, around 2017, the Me Too campaign, I think around that time, 2017, I noticed um, a few things. It was around the time of Me Too campaign. And so um, around that time is when I was having conversations with men who basically at the end of a coffee meeting and say, oh, you know, when we get the business aside, wanted to know, hey, you know, I don't understand this Me Too campaign. Like, why are women so angry? Uh, <laughs> and that sort of thing. And, and I just um, learned to have... I guess conversation, learn to um, just, you know, listen to their views, share my views. And I felt that the time was right to have a business in gender equality. Um, What that looked like, I didn't know. I didn't want it to be a charity or a not-for-profit, as I can see the challenges with that. And also around the time, social entrepreneurship was emerging, purpose-driven business, that sort of thing. So um, I spent the first year really putting together a business model of how to create a purpose-driven business, creating impacts in gender equality. Um, and so that's how Elect started. And what does Elect actually do? So I will now fast forward to where it mm-hmm. is now from all the learnings and COVID obviously through a spatter in the works. Um, so with elect, we have, um, accreditation badge, um, which basically the businesses need to take off at least three of the four achievements. Um, have at least one woman CEO or CFO, have, uh, one, have a woman board chair. Um, at least 25% of women on boards and at least 25% of women in senior leadership team. And if they have, those are the four um, achievements. And if they have um, at least three, um, they're eligible with a, a digital badge called Elect Star. And that is acknowledging their achievement in gender equality and business leadership. So that's what we offer. We have a digital badge. It's protected by blockchain. They need to renew it every uh, 12 months. And we've kept the criteria very straightforward um, and clear because we didn't want any ambiguity. You either have achieved it or you haven't. It seems like a very practical way of approaching the challenge. Hmm. It's it's, it's the the stats. there, There are various ways of what people are trying to achieve and what I've seen time and time again is the implementation of 
policies, procedures, um, activities, and, and encouraging women to a certain level, like up to middle management. What we don't see is seeing women being represented um, in boards or in senior leadership team or having women CEO. This all came out of because we were going through all the companies on the Australian Stock Exchange, um, and we did the same with NASDAQ, and we we're working on London Stock Exchange, went through all of them, rated them with the publicly available information on all of those four um, items. Um, so at the time, um, you tell me, Manisha, maybe you already know the answer to this, but out of 2,100, <laughs> <laughs> well, out of 2,100 companies and almost 9,000 in NASDAQ, how many companies do you think, let's start off with ASX, um, have scored three or more points? Oh my goodness. I'm going to go for 5%. It's below 5%, 98. 98 oh, companies wow. out of over 2,000 or 2,100. Um, and um, in NASDAQ, it was 204 companies out of almost 9,000. And I'm really interested how many of them actually even um, noted this as an issue. Was it hard to find the numbers? It wasn't hard to find, like, because with, with listed companies, a lot of the information are shown publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, what was disappointing is how low uh, the numbers are. So I know that there's quite a bit of work focusing on women on boards. Um, and then there's some work around leadership teams, but you know, there's just not enough women CEOs or even women board chair or women CFOs. So that's, that's it. But if we combine it all, the numbers are really low. Right. Um, and, and I don't think like, and, and I don't think it's really that hard. We wanted it to be like, you know, 40 to 60% range, which is the ideal range. Um, but we brought it down to 25% because otherwise there'll be nobody who would be qualified <laughs> for right. like stars. And did you find that there's a difference when we're talking about, um, companies that are listed versus companies that aren't small, small enterprises versus larger enterprises? Is there a difference there? That sort of data is not available. It's not easy to find unless um, I get a whole bunch of companies to to research. However, um, since we launched Alexstars, we've had small businesses who say, we're interested, we want to show our commitment to gender equality, and that has, um, I guess, allowed us to launch a spin-off, so to speak, um, called Business Small Business Star for Elect Small Business Star. They have one of two criteria, and that is at least 25% of women in the top level leadership team, or the second criteria is throughout the whole organization. And uh, they just need to achieve one out of the two. And how have you found that? I mean, that's really interesting that um, small businesses are coming to you. What, whereas you're going to larger organisations. And I wonder if that um, says something also about the sorts of roles that, that women are able to get and also, um, I guess, where the power and control sort of sits in these organisations. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, look, with with the larger companies, um, um, there is, especially in the listed companies, as you've heard of ESG, um, there is certainly um, a push to have metrics being achieved um, for the purpose of ESG. There's a lot of focus around environmental um, and some on the social, but certainly I see that's where the push is coming, but there are just, there's, 
they're working their way around it. Um, with a small business, it was just surprising, but it also feels that it's easier for small business to really show the values that they believe in and, and, and incorporate that into their business. And for people who don't know what the ESG is? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So ESG um, stands for Environmental Social Governance, and they are the metrics that now um, some it's mandatory in some cu- countries um, for companies to, when they report on the financial performance, they also need to report the metrics around ESG. So they need to report metrics, what they're doing around the environment, what they're doing around social, and what they're doing around governance. And this has been a, one of the fastest movement um, globally because of funds and pushing um, to say that we would only want to invest in companies who are actually caring for our environment, uh, for the people, and and making sure that they implement governance um, in, in, in their business. And so companies have been um, scrambling for that. And Europe, um, over the last uh, couple of years or so, have mandated um, the reporting, and in US, I believe that um, it's been going through Congress, and soon it will be also a mandatory requirement, and we'll see the you know that cascading effect throughout the world. It's really interesting how you know that social push and pull kind of comes in when we think about the system that conspires um, for equality and against equality as well, and um, how these awards can actually help, and badges and micro credentials can actually help make it. Um, can help make it more explicit. Yeah, I'm really interested in how it works on the ground when you're working working with organisations. Have you seen a change in the way they think about gender equality when it comes to actually becoming an elect star, or um, in terms of how they actually reach those targets? Because, as you said, there are so many companies that are so far away from those targets, which seem quite quite low. You know, when we think mm-hmm. about um, the dis- well, the differences of genders that we have. Yeah, what I've seen, and what's been nice to see, is the um, that sense of of proud, um, very proud of having elect stars, and um, sharing. You know, in the way that they they feel that it's something they truly believe in and they've shown the commitment. And when they, um, you know, when they were awarded the Elect Star badge, um, you, you feel and they discuss about that sense of proudness um, around it. So that was really nice to see. And Sandra, I know that you're in the process of putting a book together that will be coming out next year after you've interviewed some of those 99 companies that are actually eligible for elect stars, what are some of the findings or the initial insights that you have from those organisations? Yeah, so um, out of the 98 companies, I didn't get to all of them, but um, but the ones that I did interview, I've picked 11 to be in the book. Um, but what's been really, um, I guess, interesting to see and um, having spoken to all of them is it, it, and I'll give away, like, you know, <laughs> the answer to the book because I just um, want people to realise that you can achieve gender equality and diversity if you want to do it. Um, it didn't matter with the CEOs whether they were from um, 
large companies or a startup mining, you know, companies or companies with small cap. Um, it didn't matter if there were a founding CEO or if there are a CEO that was recruited in, um, whether they have 20 employees or 8,000 um, employees. It just, um, the commitment to diversity came from the top. It came from them. Um, right. And so, and how they went about pushing for it. So they there are ways and approaches. They've all have slightly different ways. And also they've also, I'm sorry, they've also acknowledged there's not easy um, thing to do, especially those in the male-dominated industry. But the commonality across all of them is really that their commitment and their push for it to happen, um, and they will find ways to to make it happen. That's really fascinating, especially when, you know, it feels a bit like the catch-22 then, right? So yeah. the leaders that actually promote gender equality espouse it within their organisations, but in fact if they don't exist, then that doesn't happen. So um, it is really important to make sure that we have diversity in genders right up that top end of the spectrum. It then. is. It is. It's actually there. Like I said, they're, they're a commitment to diversity and sustainability is what was their focus. And and out of that, they achieved gender balance um, in the senior leadership team. And what I've heard and, and, and spoken to outside of the CEOs that I've spoken to who were eligible for like stars, a whole, I, I do talk to a lot of other um, decision makers and you sense there is that commitment to having diversity at the junior levels, at recruitment, um, all the way through the organisation. But when it comes to the top, it's still all white middle-aged men. Um, and they'll have their reason. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, so what do you think happens? Uh, I think... They know that they need to be in that space. They know that they need to show that they have diversity in having HR and, and being the push and being the champion for it. But I do believe um, a lot of them suffer from unconscious bias and having diversity in the leadership team or in the board of directors is something that um, they may not necessarily deep down believe in that. And don't necessarily push for it. It it is hard, um, and they'll find various excuses. And 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 the various excuses is like, oh, we can't find the women candidates. Women don't apply. It's um, they don't have the skill set, or they're not qualified. You know, just can't find them, or they're not interested. It's just for various reasons. Is their easy way out? But seriously, you can't tell me that there are not enough women candidates and there are ways of how you go approaching them. And what's in the book what you'll read about is the ways that how they've gone about in, 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 in being inclusive, um, realising that you can't do a stock standard way of just how we normally operate in, in, in corporation um, to just be inclusive. You need to make necessary changes um, within the organisation to attract and to retain um, diversity and in of high calibre too. 
absolutely. And um, when we think about that and the trends that you're seeing, you know, we spoke at the beginning of this um, podcast about the gap in terms of gender parity, which, you know, we're going backwards there. Um, hopefully we will stop going backwards. But what are some of the trends that you're seeing in your work on, a, I guess, a practical um, level um, in terms of inclusion? So you've spoken obviously about, you know, the difference between parity at um, certain levels or at different levels. Is there anything else that you're seeing that it's worth calling out? I think over the years um, what I'm seeing is, for example, like university graduates, we're seeing women and, and, and men graduating from universities at the um, undergrad level are pretty much even. You know, you've got parity there. Um, and then you, and then once they enter the workforce at graduate level, um, that part generally is, you know, it's the opportunities are fairly equal. And I'm, I am generalizing because it does vary Absolutely. a little bit for industry and industry. But then what you see is as the, as men and women progress their careers, you see the gaps, whether it's gender pay gap, whether it's opportunities, and then you throw in, um, diverse background, the numbers are a lot lower. And then if you throw the gaps are wider. Um, and then if you throw in around the age of, you know, where, where they're having children, the gaps even one. And then as you see the more and more senior team, it's, um, uh, the, the gaps are massive. And so that hasn't changed at all. Um, there is there, you know, there is certainly, um, more women on boards than before. Um, there are certainly more conversation, more discussion, um, and there's better tracking. Everybody are tracking these sort of metrics. Um, but I'm afraid to say 2022, women CEOs are still, you know, they're a rare breed. Um, and 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 same, you know, um, with with in the, within the leadership team. And it's interesting when we're talking about women generally, not um, women of colour, um, women who um, have disability, all of those other intersectional areas. Mm. Um, yes. You know, we're, we're just talking about women generally. Just women, in, yeah. And, and, look, I want to see all of those diversity also being included and in the work I'm doing. But it's almost like I had to really broaden the definition um because we also have the lgbtq the gender part you know has um there is a range a greater range of definition i don't want to be excluding anyone and like i said with the ceos their focus wasn't just even men or women it was about diversity and um and it was about sustainability and then that has cascaded through those values to bring in the diversity and brought in women in senior roles so um, yes, I'm, I'm taking a very, I like to call it a baby step and just be very clear, very, it's not niche, but just really clear because women <laughs> represent 50% of the population. If somebody says that's niche, I'll just say, well, it's not. <laughs> um, and so how do we, you know, make sure that we have that equal participation? And that's the focus of Elect Stars is to bring visibility to that and actually calling out companies. If you look at the companies and you see the lack of diversity in their boards 
and in their uh, senior leadership team, and people are saying, "Where is Elect Star on your? Um, are you or do you own an Elect Star on your? Um, you know, as a company?" Then I feel like my job is done or getting there um, because I'm creating that awareness and this push that there is a need for diversity at that level. And it's interesting because you're really focusing on the awareness side and you're leaving it up to the organizations to work out how they're going to get there themselves. Yes, yes. There are there are lots of amazing companies who are doing guest training, they have software, they have consultation. We're actually um, are looking at doing a little bit of that potentially. I didn't really want to create a consulting company, but um, but certainly um, there are requests now, you know, for us to run workshop, um, to run mentoring, to run training, and um, and 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 we want to do it at, at a point of um, to really help them um, and not just be a consultant and say, here, yeah, this is what you need to do. Um, and we don't care whether you achieve that or not. Right. Uh, I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying the consultants do that, um, especially in the DEI space, but it can be quite frustrating when it's been tokenistic or just what I call pinkwashing. Um, we, we are being very selective who we want to work. We're actually committed to wanting to do it and they're just struggling a little bit or they need tools to help them, uh, being able to achieve. What it is, and the book is really it's one of those tools um, as a guide uh, for organisation, and um, and then we want to now build up more tools because of that. And Sandra, a last question for you: What, from a personal perspective, is one thing that you would change? What's the one thing that you think, man? If they only asked someone like me, it's funny I use the word man there too. Hey, <laughs> but if they only asked someone like me this would be designed better? Um, yes, I would. I could think of many things, that, um, Malaysia. I would like to see more diversity in media, um, right. especially in TV shows, in reality shows. If you, if you look at it, you know, I guess my eyes are still picking up, like, where, where are the people, where are the diversity, and which shows have them, which shows don't, because I think when people see them on TV, on the internet, on YouTube, um, the more and more we see diversity, the more we get used to it, that we just have different colours everywhere, men and women um, doing things, and men also, you know, in roles that are not as not traditional. So that's, that's, I guess, ties in with the work that I'm doing. But I want to also would love if somebody asked me how to be, have inclusiveness with disability access. So I have a daughter in wheelchair. And when we went to Whistler, um, and it was so accessible for a ski resort, it was so accessible that we just felt that we could go anywhere, wander anywhere, go to any restaurant and just be part of, you know, what all the crowds are doing, um, you know, whatever the facilities and just really enjoy. And so if somebody wants to ask me, hey, can you have a look and see whether this is inclusive space? So that I would love to be asked um, for my input. Oh, look, thank you so much, Sandra. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you for your time and sharing your story. Thank you, Manisha, um, for the show. And thanks again for inviting me. And thank you, everyone, for listening and being with us here on With Not For. 
If you'd like to learn more about how you can make your world more inclusive, contact us on www.cfid.org.au, see the show notes, or subscribe to our newsletter where we'll make sure that we let you know when Sandra's book actually comes out as well. Until next time, this is Manit Sharamin for Centre for Inclusive Design. Music